Hello, beautiful beings. This is Connection Hood. Hello, beautiful beings. My name is Rena Chandler. Welcome to the second episode, part one, and we are having a really great conversation with Steph Scurry. What do you do for a living? How do you support yourself? I support myself with odd jobs in the creative fields of film and photography and yeah and whatever else random visual art or musical art comes up or someone wants to pay me (laughs) how many kids do you have three I have three sons they're 9 11 and 13 having so many it's and for me I say three is so many because you know in my community three is kind of a lot of kids and in my age group I don't really see a lot of people with that many kids let alone any in Southern California. So, I mean, if someone needs a babysitter, I'm like, oh yeah, just bring them over because it's always a party at my house anyway. So one or two more kids doesn't really make that big of a difference. So even if I think about having more, I'm like, oh, throwing one more in the bunch isn't, you know, going to make that much of a difference. But then if I think about, ooh, traveling to Europe, hmm, I don't know, it gets easier though. Traveling with the boys? Yes. It's so much easier. I don't have diapers right now. I feel like if I did have diapers, if we added on a fourth, I have more hands to carry things. I mean, my team is actually more supportive. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. We just traveled up to Portland and that was... It was a lot. I mean, you know, a three-year-old and a almost one-year-old. My sister, I loved reading her textbooks when she was taking cultural anthropology. And she was studying these nomadic tribes. And they only had children once every four years. Because they'd walk so many miles every day that... You can only carry one baby. Exactly. You could only have one. And so what these women did was they'd breastfeed for about four years and it would cease ovulation. And then, you know, by the time that child was able to walk and keep up, then, you know, their flow would come back regular and then they were able to reproduce again. And in some tribes where women would have twins, they would actually birth one in a ditch and bury it. First world, you know, it's like we can we can have twins here. We're not fighting for our lives, you know. We don't have one woman carrying two babies miles and miles each day, which would slow, you know, a whole tribe down and, you know, potentially cost the lives of the whole family from just having one, one too many. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, things like that really fascinate me. And also children, they need with, to be with their mom until four. Like that closeness, um, they need to be breastfeeding until four or longer. It was something that was normal. And, and today in our society, it's strange to breastfeed past a year. And you mothers get a lot of slack for breastfeeding toddlers or beyond seems sad because there are so many benefits to breastfeeding longer. I mean, we create 
life. We keep life going. We, you're the, you grow the fastest you're ever going to grow when you're an infant, when you're a baby. You need mama's milk to get to where you need to be. Kind of sad. It's turning around, though. There's a lot of moms who are pushing through the norms and breaking through and are like, fuck you, I'm going to breastfeed as long as I want. Good. We need that. Yeah. Those kids are going to be better off for it. They're going to be healthier. And they're probably not going to giggle every time, you know, they see a flash of a nipple or a boob because they're going to realize that it's a food source and not there for sexual enjoyment. It's a great experience. It's such a wonderful bonding experience. How long did you breastfeed for? Um, with... All three? I breastfed all three. Um, it was about a... About 18 months, 18 months and in, in between 18 months and two years for all of them. Um, my oldest just kind of around two was, he was done. He just mm-hmm. on he his just own. just stopped on his own. And then my middle, my 11, he would probably still be breastfeeding. <laughs> he was, he was uh, about two. He was over two. And you had to cut him off? Yeah, because I got pregnant again so your nipples were sensitive oh they were sensitive and i was just so big and tired and because all my boys are two years and one month apart i know so yeah as soon as they even let up on the breastfeeding and weren't breastfeeding constantly i got pregnant again i'm looking through birth control right now because i don't want to get pregnant again for the next couple of years and you get pregnant easily. Once you get pregnant, you just kind of keep getting pregnant. You know, yes. you find yourself pregnant uh, again. Yeah. But again. we're breastfeeding all the time. That's good. All the time. All night. <laughs> all day. I don't think he's going to want to stop either. I'm going to have to cut him off. Eventually. Eventually. And it's so sad. When they still really want it, it's so sad to cut them off. Because it's like, ugh. Because it is... It's a calming thing for, you know, for everybody involved. We all feel calmed and nurtured and loved when, you know, we're, we're doing that. So it's it's just heartbreaking with my youngest. Um, when he was six months old, his oldest brother, who was four and a half at the time, was burned severely. And so we were in the hospital and skin grafts and induced comas. So we were in there for about three months, and I would go down to the NICU, which is like the newborn ICU, and they had pumps, and I would try and pump, but I was so stressed that my milk wasn't letting down. And so my mom would drive him down to San Diego so I could breastfeed him, and um, and then that's the only time like I would really just be able to let down is when he was latched on. Mm-hmm. but. He had a bad reaction to formulas. We were buying this, I think it was like $30 for <coughs> a little can expensive. of formula. Mm-hmm. It was like this hypoallergenic formula and he was projectile vomiting it. And he just started getting really sick and skinny and like skinny babies. No way. Like just, you know, like, no, they're supposed to be chubby and rosy cheeked and, you know, so my sister-in-law at the time, she had a baby that was just a couple of months younger than Fawn, my youngest. And so she would pump milk for him. 
And so... How awesome! Right? That's just... That is tribe. That, that is, is tribe right there. Community. You know, that... I don't know what I would do without them. I don't know where he would be. I, I could have had two kids in the hospital. So it's just the way women can come together and share something as precious and life-giving and, you know, as, as their own breast milk. That's mm-hmm. just, it was amazing. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's so, so cool. How lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so you are, you work a lot. Would you say you're like a workaholic? I was. You were. It wasn't working for me. <laughs> it wasn't working for me at all. And it definitely wasn't working for a family. I sometimes I'd have three jobs. I'd be working 104 hours a week. And it got to the point where I wasn't remembering driving from one job to the other. And I remember getting to one job and I... I don't remember driving here. So can we talk, can you kind of introduce a little bit of your background of if you were doing this alone or did you have help with your partner or your ex-husband? So it's like, so we know what's going on and why you were working so much. Sure. Um, Whatever you're comfortable sharing. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Actually, it's probably a good thing to share because I don't think a lot of people realize how quickly life can just shift. I think it's a good reminder that you can be comfy and, you know, and things just got kind of strange. I mean, like beamers and a boat and just, and we were young and we, we both had excellent work ethic. We were always, both of us workaholics and we were the first of our friends to get married, to have kids, to own property. We're just, I don't know, we're just kind of pioneering and feeling it through and trying to do what our parents did, but it was a completely different time. Her parents were doing that in the 70s and 80s when things were booming in the 80s at least. Yes, and we were doing it here, you know, in the early 2000s and right before the horrible recession. So the recession hit and he was working in you know, construction type work, all of that took a huge toll. It did. Yes. I mean, I was still working two jobs, but I worked nights and weekends and because we both knew we didn't want our kids to go to childcare. So you've never paid for childcare when we were together, when you were together, when I had partner because it's, it's expensive. Oh, and it takes up your whole paycheck. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It does not make sense. Why did they do this to us? Exactly. So it was like, no, we're not doing that. That's ridiculous. I, when I could stay at home and spend time with my children, you know, and raise them, but he'd actually gotten hurt years, a couple years before the recession. And, but he seemed to be doing a lot better. Um, he had actually gotten hooked on his Vicodin while he was doing his physical therapy and got hurt at work and was so embarrassed that he got sick when he stopped taking it that he didn't tell anyone and he just kind of kept getting more. And we didn't know back then the problems and the issues with opioids and you know how addictive pharmaceuticals were. That was kind of like, you know, it was kind of talked about but swept under the rug and you know, he'd had you know, his 
father died, just lots of, just life was happening. But even though we were all taking all this life that was happening and moving through it, he wasn't able to move through it the way the rest of us in the family were because he was hiding that and he was struggling with that. And it turned into a heroin addiction eventually. And it just kind of, we couldn't stay, you know. Where was he? And he was at home with you when he was no. fiending or wanting to, want, when he was high? I mean, Sometimes. And, I mean, I didn't know anything about drugs. <laughs> so I didn't know what to look for. Right? I didn't know the signs. I hadn't been around it or grown up with it. And, um, I mean, when he was out all night, I thought he was cheating. He would fall asleep in the carport or in the garage that we had. Sometimes with the motor, and he'd say, oh, I'm working on the car, or, you know, really, he'd shoot up, and he was like, you could kill yourself falling asleep. With the car on. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so there were, there were lots of times, but then finally, you know, when he told me, I was like, oh, well, that, oh. You know, and things start to make a little more sense, and I was like, you know, my first, my initial reaction was, well, let's get you help, because that's what you do with your partner. Let's get you help. And so it was years but of trying to work through it, but he needed way more professional help and that's not an easy thing to get off of when you've been doing it for that long. So how long was he doing that overall? Was he addicted? Um before I knew it was 2 years, a little over 2 years. And then after that, um, we tried to work it out for five more years. Wow. And it just... And he struggled with the addiction and also the previous, probably, traumas or something. Yeah, of just Some life. issues of, yeah, adulting, growing up, yeah. dealing with everything. Yeah, and having kids. Having kids is hard. It's hard on a relationship. Yeah. He... There was no way he was in the right mindset to try and parent. So, and I think that's something that's really important that, you know, I express to our boys, you know, when they wonder, you know, where he's at or how he's doing or, you know, and if we don't hear from them, you know, it's important to have understanding and forgiveness and gratitude for the time that we had him healthy mm -hmm. and, you know, and just pray that he can get to a spot to where he can forgive himself and come back to have a relationship, you know, because there's still a family that loves and, and would appreciate his presence. And that's it. Like it's, it's really that simple. It's like, it wasn't healthy for us to be there. We had to, you know, we had to get out of that situation, but there's always a welcoming heart, you know, they're welcoming hearts for friendship and for family. And we just try and keep that out there. We push that vibe out there, you know, we, and hope that, you know, when he's healthy and better and, you know, not just physically healthy, but mentally healthy too and ready that, you know, he might want to do that dad thing. But if not, that's okay because we're okay. That's amazing. So your boys are aware of his addiction? Yes. You're honest with them? 
Yeah, there was there was jail, there was rehab, there was, and then you know people talk and they might not realize that there's there's the kids a kid are there. right there. They're trying to process everything and they're listening. Yes. So you know, and there's like, hey, what's what's rehab? Or I'm like, well, you know how you go to summer camp, right? I was like, well, it's kind of like camp for grown-ups and some kids too to go to and learn how to get healthy. And they practice healthy exercises and group exercises and learn how to trust each other and trust themselves and make better decisions and be better parents. There you go. That's rehab. <laughs> so he's still, you would say, struggling with the addiction or struggling with some other mental stuff? I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. So it's, he's, he's out of the picture right now. Yeah. We haven't seen him. I saw him, I believe over a year ago and the kids haven't seen him in almost two years. That's hard. Yeah. It's hard for them. For them. It's very hard hard for for them. them. Yeah. So, but they're, they ask questions. Therapy's awesome. (laughs) therapy is so awesome everybody should do therapy yes yes and if you know you're good for a while you know what you're gonna grow out of those issues and you might not need therapy but then you're gonna level up you know and bigger kid issues and go back to therapy it's okay (laughs) therapy is very good very good so that's that background story you mentioned before the other day when we were talking on the phone about choosing to go to work over staying home with your kids over do I need to go here and do the grind and make the money to pay the bills to have anything extra to get food on the table is that you know do I need to be home with my kids and you're you seem to be in a splitting point at that particular moment that I was talking to you and that was very on your mind and very sharpened. As a parent who's really, I mean, you have a wonderful partner now. Yes. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) That's lucky blessings all over the place. Yeah. You, that was, that partner hasn't always been there and you, you know, this is all still pretty fresh. You know, you've been doing this Alone, you have your mom, I think, right, to help you, um, and family. My sister. Yeah, my sister's sister. definitely a life partner and a co-parent, and my um, your little sister. Yes, my little sister. She is awesome. She is amazing. She's, yes, yeah, she's my she's my co-pilot for life. Definitely my best friend. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we're annoying. I mean, there you go. That's where the unconditional love comes in, right? But it's honest. You know you're always going to get the honest love. You know, because when you want people to to strive and grow, you're not going to do it based on anything falsified. We don't grow from that. No. So. No. You just actually keep going back until you relearn the lesson. And it just, and you still don't get it. And then something else comes and you just don't move forward you you know yeah you gotta learn those lessons yeah that's they're exactly not easy lessons is. no that's why you have to learn them three times sometimes exactly. or more exactly so yeah working and 
my mom, my parents are really, really great. They're so old school. So it's difficult when you're getting all this help from different family members and friends and people have these ideas of how to help you, how they're gonna help you and what you need. But they might not know. And for me, for a while, I was listening to everyone else because, well, their lives seem to look pretty good. So I'll listen to their idea and let me try that. And then, oh, it wouldn't work. And I'd try somebody else's and man, that wouldn't work. And I would, you know, whenever a family member or a close friend would have a criticism about how I was living my life or what I could be doing to be doing better, I would say, tell me how, because I will try it and I will really give it my all because I know there's a way out of this. I just haven't figured it out yet. And it got to the point to where nobody had anything else to say to me. They were like, I don't know. I have seen you work your butt off. I have no idea. Maybe you're just going to have to wait until they're older. And I was like, no, no, there's a way. I'm just, and it might seem crazy, but I know that there's a way to do what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be a provider and I'm trying to be a mother, a nurturer. So how can I nurture and provide at the same time? It's like being in two places at once. And finally, after like so many years of doing this, I think it's starting to come together where luckily I'm like, I know what I like to do. I'm going to lean on my strengths in the creative fields and the kids, they were doing horrible when I was working outside of the home. Their grades dropped there. They weren't getting parented. School is great. They can educate your kids, but they're not disciplining your kids. They're not teaching them, you know, how to have a strong character. It's, they might have it up on a poster at school or in a classroom or in the office somewhere. They might talk about it at school assemblies, but it's not being re like reinforced because there are so many children. And how do you reinforce character traits in a classroom full of 30 kids, you all can. at different levels <laughs> educationally? So you, yeah, you can't. And I think that in order to work with the schools, the kids either need to go less or the parents need to work less. And so it's not such black and white from being at school all day and coming home. And my kids would tell me, there's no love at school. There's no love at school? Yes. They would tell me there's no love, that they don't get enough love. And I was like, really? And teachers can't really go up and give your kid a hug. They, they're not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, your kid's love language is, you know, getting hugs and stuff. Your kid's out of luck. <laughs> so they're not going to get that unless, you know, there's a really lovey-dovey kid on the playground that they make friends with and they'll hold their hand because a teacher can't hold their hand when they're having a hard time and being frustrated and they just need that or they need a squeeze on the arm. They just, you know, something supportive. They can't rub their back. They're just not allowed to, to nurture you know, whereas back in the day they were, they were also allowed to discipline. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at home we can do that. And my boys are flourishing homeschooling. I mean, their skills, their social skills, they're able to 
look people in the eye and have a conversation and not be afraid or shy away from adults because they don't see adults as disciplinaries and people that are just going to tell them what to do, they see them as humans. And oh, I love that. Your boys are amazing boys. They're, they're so awesome. And I'm, I'm, everybody that meets you is like, oh, your children and your boys are so respectful or so kind or so unique and aren't afraid to be themselves. And especially in this world that's so full of judgment and challenges. It's nice to see <clears throat> kids and a mom that are bridging that gap and pulling it together. So you took your talents and your creative creativeness and you brought that home and that's what you're doing now you work at home from home yes. and that's how you that's the light bulb that is the that's light what bulb. works and I'm shifting from working in the home more because I I haven't made it to the point to where full I can, home full home but you're home more yes and it makes a huge difference I'm home enough to homeschool and the most I'll work outside of the home will be maybe four days in a row um, I've booked five days, but normally we finish up quick on film sets and, you know, commercials and things like that. And I'm able to come out. I'll do lighting or um, be a production assistant or an art director. And just, it's things that I love to do. And I can bring it back home along with that paycheck. And that's great. Because if you're an art director on a film set, you know, sometimes your day rate is $750 a day. If I am a camera operator... Um, I'll get $500 a day, you know, and that for some people in that field, for I probably say most people in that field, they hustle to work every day. For me, knowing where my priorities are and that money is not my first priority, making my kids my first priority and, you know, being a good parent, number one, then I looked at that as great. This is a wonderful career. Just as long as I'm working on my camera and honing these skills at home, I'm still going to be current in the job market and I can work half the days a month and be home with my kids. That's the way I saw that job. I saw the film industry as a wonderful opportunity to work less and get paid more because I'm not out for the fame and the fortune. I'm out for creating you know, a healthy home life and future for my kids and everybody else that has to deal with them once I'm gone. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like that's my responsibility is it's not just getting them out into the world, but it's a big part of who they are. I mean, this is, it's like, they're my gift and also in a way, my gift to the world. And if I love them, then they're going to have a lot more love to give. And they're going to grow up to be amazing human beings. They're amazing human beings already. And then they're going to find partners maybe and maybe reproduce. And then they're going to change consciousness now because you have changed their consciousness. It's pretty wonderful. We're in a great time. We're all awakening. And uh, that includes young boys, you know, turning into wonderful men raising wonderful children it's about time you know it's been a little depressing the past few thousand years <laughs> oh my goodness yeah it's a great time to be a woman 
and raise family and raise conscious children, especially sons. Definitely. That's awesome. You pursued your dreams, your passion. This is passion of yours. Figured out how to hone it in, bring it home, make money, but also maintain having your family be a priority. (laughs) (laughs) Still fumbling through it. I mean, it's kind of like the pieces just kind of fall into place, but I just had to point in the right direction, which is those kids. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, then, oh, right, that was the right path the entire time. It took me that long. How long, you say? Um, I would say eight years. It took me eight years of thinking that working a lot. Yeah, I thought that I was doing that for them because I was in my mind. I was doing it all for them, and that's not what they needed. When I got the best job, what I thought was the best job, it was the highest paying job that I'd ever had in my field. And when I was first hired on, they said, sure, and you'll be traveling one week out of the month. I said, I can do that. That's great. And then I would be working locally out of an office. I traveled three weeks the first month. That's a lot. And they said, my oldest told me, well, we'd rather have a mom than money. How did that make you feel? I was confused. (laughs) It's like, well, you need to eat. You know, I was still back in that 1940s, 1950s. You know, my parent kind of, it's not going to happen. He was like, you'll think differently when we're living in a cardboard box, you know, and Mm -hmm. You know, and I wasn't listening. I didn't listen. And then later, within that same month, like, all of these horrible things started to happen. And I just started to feel like I was a horrible mother. And and one night I came in, and I slept on the couch. And then I went in, and I, I was getting some things. And, you know, I could hear them stirring. And so I went in to check on them. And, and you know, one of them says... Are, are you leaving again? I was like, yeah, because I was getting on another flight. I hadn't even been back 24 hours, and I'm going back to the East Coast to work. And he says, well, are you coming back? And that that really broke my heart. Heartbreaker. Yeah. What a heartbreaker. It's like, of course I'm coming back. And then I'm thinking, you know, like the whole time I'm on the, you know, driving to the airport, and I'm sitting there and you know I'm sitting on the plane and everything was wrong you feel it yeah everything and just and I'm looking around I'm like I'm traveling doing what I love to do and making great money and I'm absolutely heartbroken I'm depressed I'm miserable and I just missed my kids and they missed me they were miserable they all were doing horrible in school They were writing letters about how they hated their lives and I'm like, we're so connected and here I am, yeah, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, but I wasn't. So yeah, I had to, I had to push it really hard and it was like that learning that lesson, like you were saying over and over again, I'm just going to 
I was stuck in this horrible time loop mm -hmm. just keep on making the same mistakes and I didn't realize that that was the mistake that I was making and now things are much better I have two young boys and the struggle to be the best parent you know best parent you can be I've I've shared some of these struggle, struggles with you before yeah and um you told me a beautiful story in a beautiful sense because it touched me at that particular moment a couple or a few months ago when we were talking about it and um, choosing to show up to motherhood. I mean, you know, you have a baby, you get pregnant, you have a baby, you 10 months in, you're like, I need a break from this baby. <laughs> I need to talk to an adult, you know, um, not clean or do this or sweat this kind of around or do something and to find something normal within yourself. To have three little kids, you tell me the story. Um, yeah, so at that point, <laughs> whew, that was a tough day. That was a really tough day for me. Um, it's always the tough days with these breaking points. It and the silver lining. Yeah, it's like it hurts to grow. Mm -hmm. It really does. It hurts to wake up sometimes. Sometimes you need to be shook really hard. <laughs> Just shake me awake, please. I uh, had worked I don't know how many shifts in a row. And I was on my way to my parents to pick up my kids. Because child care is only open for so long. So I have to have, you know, a family member or a friend pick them up and then watch them for me until I get off, like 11.30 or sometimes later. So I'm going to pick them up. And I knew that I had, you know, like a one-year-old. And I got my five-year-old in, like, pressure garments from the fire, you know. So he's got all of these exercises we have to do and he wears a little mask and gloves. He looks like a Power Ranger, but he loves it. And, you know, and I've got a three-year-old and I'm going to have to pick them all up. I'm exhausted. I'm barely thinking of like how I can barely drive to get them. And I'm going to have to pick them all up, strap them all in their seats and drive to our apartment where our parking spot is kind of far from our building and of in course. not very nice neighborhood and I'm thinking okay so I've got the stroller in the back I can stick one in the stroller I can stick one in the little carrier on me like the front backpack mm -hmm. thing and you know and then just kind of like trying to grab my <laughs> oldest and like you know have him walk <laughs> along so I don't have to make other trips mm -hmm. and I mean, oh my goodness, just the thought of it, again, was overwhelming, and I was just so exhausted, and I didn't know how much longer I was going to be able to live like this, and I really just thought I couldn't do it anymore, and so I got to my parents' house, and instead of turning into the driveway to park, I just slowly drove past their house. And um, I was thinking, you know, what if I just kept driving? What if I, I could go to Mexico. I could just go across the border. No one's going to stop me. I've got 
birth certificate. I, I can go with my ID. I can just go away. People leave their children all of the time. I mean, I've seen it. Someone will take care of them. The government will take care of them. Like, does it really matter? I'm not taking care of them very well. Maybe they'll go to a better home. Who knows? I'm failing here. I'm failing at everything. And I can just leave. And um, I drove really slow around the neighborhood. I was really contemplating, like, I could just never talk to anyone again. And I could just have peace. And I could just start a whole new life somewhere else and never look back. Just country hop. No one could ever find me. Country hop. Yeah. I was just... <laughs> this is like the lowest, weakest point of I am mm -hmm. done. And we get there as parents. We all get there. Yeah. We all get there. It's so hard. You're just sleep deprived. It's so hard. It's, you're giving every ounce of who you are. And you're not getting anything back for that. It's... You're just giving it away. You're just emptying your cup. You're just pouring it out. And, you know, I, I thought, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. And I was like, but I can't do that. And, you know, I, I parked around the corner. I still didn't. I still hadn't made that decision yet whether or not I was going to go back. Ponder. Sit and ponder. Yeah. And I thought, well, what kind of person would I be? Like, would I like myself? Could I live with myself? And I was thinking, gosh, you know? And I thought, okay, even when you're at your lowest and you're like exhausted and you just don't want to live anymore, if you are so depressed, I'm like, what? Too much responsibility to commit suicide. Well, that right there is a thought alone that I've already made my decision. I've, I've been making my decision. I'm not trapped in this situation. It's hard, but I could leave any moment and you could we can all just leave there's nothing holding you to your child except for you and it's freeing when you realize that you don't have to do that I didn't feel trapped anymore I didn't it was empowering I realized that I was making a decision and that I was in control and I needed that perspective because I felt like I didn't have any control and I was, I was letting life just drag me through the mud, but I was doing it. And when you realize that you're dragging yourself through the mud, then you're not really dragging yourself anymore. You're, you know, you're doing the army crawl and you're getting back to home base and you're doing what you need to do to get to the better place. So yeah, I'm finally rolled up <laughs> to my parents' house and picked up my kids and I was really happy. Yeah. Happy to see them and it was easier. Mm -hmm. A lot of things got easier after that. If that's what she needed. That was a that, horrible thought. And it, well, it's, <laughs> right? a, it is, it's the summer lining. It's the perspective that you needed to change. It was real. It is real. Parenting is hard. It's super hard, and especially when you're working your ass off, and you're exhausted, and you're trying to pay all the bills, and you're trying to raise good humans so that you don't become assholes, and then you realize, yeah, I don't have to do this. I can literally get on a bus, skip town, and go and become someone else, and never look back. 
Right, you choose to parent your kids. You choose motherhood. You choose to be a better parent, to be a better mother. Most of us. I mean, there are still some people, I think, that <laughs> skip town, but... I don't know if they're any better for it. I don't know if they... If that ever works for anybody. It feels like it would just chase you around forever and it would eventually catch up and you cause probably a lot more damage than you just stuck around and got through it. Maybe get some help. Speak to somebody. Yeah. Professional. Oh, yes. Are you do? Are you into therapy? I love therapy. Therapy is the shit. It really is. It is. I go every, every couple of years. I find that I'm in a new spot. I'm like, well... I have no idea where I am, and I don't know how to navigate this, and I just need to talk to someone. And the great thing about therapy is that when you find a good therapist, because sometimes, you know, you have to go through a couple to realize, okay, well, these last two were crazier than I am, so I doubt they can help me. <laughs> and then you find one, and you're like, okay. <laughs> I, you're, you're where I'm at right now, so we're going to stick with you. And don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your therapist. Don't give up on yourself. Like, just keep till you find one. And I love that they don't tell you what to do, ever. They simply ask you a question that maybe you didn't ask yourself. And you're like, mm. oh. And you end up just figuring out your own problem. But it's like, thanks for asking that <laughs> Facilitating question. Facilitating that. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> exactly. So I love therapy. It's great because it just helps you grow. So you look at life in ways that maybe you didn't before that you really needed to. Mm-hmm. Do you do anything daily to recenter yourself or weekly to recenter yourself in your busy mom life? Weekly, definitely. I enjoy trying to teach myself how to sing. Trying to teach yourself how to sing? Yes. Are you looking at YouTube videos? How are you? How do you teach yourself how to sing? Um... Well, my son is taking voice lessons, nice. and then my fiancé teaches music. Right. And I taught vocal lessons to kids for a little bit, but the thing about singing is it's that diaphragm, and it's all muscle and breathing, and if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm. And so just have to really focus on the vibration that's coming from my body and to me that's very centering so forcing myself to get in tune and have control over my breathing and to breathe so deeply it feels like you're just filling your whole body up with air and that is very centering just even just making different noises i love to write music that is definitely i call it my prayer i writing songs and spending time with the kids and doing really mellow things with them. Did you spend quality time with each separate kid or all together? It's a mixture. Mixture. Yeah. Their school schedule. I get quality time with my youngest every Monday while his older brothers are on campus taking spent elective courses. Mm -hmm. And then I have quality time with his older brother on Fridays and I, he does you know vocal lessons and gymnastics and we talk about making dresses and just 
being yourself. And so that way I can focus on what they need. And then with my oldest, he's in those teenage years right now. He's 13. 13. So he just needs a lot of sleep (laughs) and a lot of food, like good hearty food and baths and exercise. Pretty much. It's just... Do uh, your sons play video games? Yes. We are a fun gaming family. We definitely enjoy gaming. Gaming. I think it's it's important for their development and for keeping up with the technological age. And it's one of those, <laughs> I feel like when we are gaming and we're in that different zone, our kids, when they're playing those games, they're not with us. They're not on the plane. They're not. <laughs> they're they're in that world. They're in a virtual world, and they're living through that, which it's okay sometimes. But they need to know how to connect, you know, and how to disconnect from that and come back and still live in this world. And without a lot of guidance, they're not going to have that. Like to be able to sit with my kids and play a video game and actually have a conversation about what's going on in their life while playing a video game, then it makes it more like family game night or playing a board game. And it it changes it instead of just escapism. So that's, it's really fun. And we're getting into virtual reality and we're doing things, but we do it together like it's safer that way mm-hmm. and you know what they're doing and because I feel like as a parent technology is advancing so fast that we can just get left behind and we have no idea what our kids are taking in all it's day. so overwhelming it's overwhelming you told me that a while ago that you guys unplug your wi-fi at night oh yeah right you still do that oh yes <laughs> that's genius it's seriously genius I had never thought about that before yeah. until, you know, I'm like, really guys? They were getting up and going to grab a tablet so they could play games. I'm like, really? Because I don't see you doing that to do something productive. I was like, what do you have to show for this? Yeah. What do we have to show for this? And so it's kind of nice because when they understand a concept... And I'm like, yeah, this is a great thing. I'm going to teach my kids. I love it when they toss it right back at me. And they do that. They do. But it's good for all of us. True. And instead of, you know, saying, oh, don't be a smart ass, you know, I actually am like, thank you. Thank you. Because this is what a team does. This is what a family does. We actually help each other. It's not snarkiness. I'm like, if you see me doing something, it's not good for me. If you see me, like, you know... Just stress eating candy or something. Please say something to me. Like, give me a hug. And, and take the <laughs> take candy the from candy my hand. My hand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I, I secretly eat chocolate when the kids are in the other room all the time. I'm in the fridge. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to share or let my kids get all crazy if they eat the chocolate, too. Exactly. But I'll eat, like, ten pieces, no problem, you know? I'm, like, stress-eating chocolate. It's so easy to do. I had it in my purse, and they, my kids totally called me out on it. I was like, wow, you guys are right. 
I should stop. Bad chocolate. Exactly. You know, it's it's great. Yeah. It's really great to have that accountability and to work together. It's That's, pretty funny. Yeah. This is all amazing. You have a beautiful family. You're you're very, very fortunate to have such lovely, lovely kids. And you're lovely. I mean, it takes a lovely mom to raise lovely lovely kids. Very impressed. Thank you. You if you saw us about four years ago, you'd be like, man. <laughs> That bitch is a mess. <laughs> You're a hot mess. <laughs> when it, we couldn't tell, we you know a lot of moms and we all put on kind of something like we got it together, and then you talk to somebody, you know about anything. And you're like, you know, I just had a baby ten months ago. My hormones are out of whack. I don't know what's going on. My baby hair is growing back, and I have fuzz all over my head. And you share that with another mom, and they're like, me. Too. Me too. I'm losing my hair. I'm emotional too. Blah, blah, blah. And we're all just going through the same thing. And some people might not, you know, you can't see everything that's going on. So I don't know if we would have been able to see that. But I believe you. I believe the struggle was real. Uh, and yeah. it still is real. It is. Well, thank you for talking with me. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody, that is a wrap for Steph's episode, part one. I hope you enjoyed this you know, listen for part two. It's completely different. We're talking about completely different things. I do have a Facebook page. I have not been on it as much as I would like, but it is there. Please do start something, somebody. Also, anything that we say or we recommend are our own recommendations and our own opinions. So please don't hold this against us. We're only humans. Um, this is my baby drinking milk right next to me. Those noises that's it. So have a wonderful, beautiful day. Ciao for now.